What's up, everybody? It's time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, my partners in crime, my brothers from other mothers, Jim Cross, Randy Jowers, and guys, we got a special one. We got episode 21 titled Somewhere in Between, because tonight we got former Arizona Wildcat, we got former Dallas Cowboy, we got entrepreneur, we got a Gronkowski bro, we got Chris Gronkowski joining us. Guys, I don't want to waste any time. We got a lot of stories, a lot of fun coming your way, so let's dive right into it. Gentlemen, without further ado, let's welcome onto the show with the biggest interview in podcasting this week, our man, Chris Gronkowski. What's going on, Chris? Thanks for joining us, man. I appreciate your time. I know you're busy, so let's get right to it. The question that I need to know before we even start, you grew up part of Bill's Mafia, right? I got to ask you, obviously, I know that you couldn't root for them over the years, same division as your brother. How differently could the last decade have been if, you, if, if they had made the right choice, drafted the right guy, did you guys could have stayed in Bills Mafia? How different would life have been for you and for the Buffalo Bills? Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, it probably would have been a problem, man, when it comes down to it, because uh, you know you got all the friends, all the family, and you already know what Bills Mafia is like. So I don't know, man. I think I think it was a good thing that Rob went to New England, was under that Bill Belichick era, man, because you know you had to be disciplined, you had to show up every day, you know, you had to do it the Patriot way, man. So. I think that was probably a good thing. But, yeah, man, you're, you're probably one of the few that realized that the Bills had the pick before Rob got drafted and, and went with the D tackle instead because, you know, his whole career, is, he was called a traitor. You know, I got to hear it. I got sandwiches thrown at me, beers thrown at me at the games. And, uh, man, I say, it, it, it's not your choice. You know, it, it's the team's choices. It's the scouting department for the most part. And they didn't choose him. So they traded on him. That's That's the truth, man. They're the traitors in the whole thing. Look, Absolutely. Look, look, Chris, I think it, you're better. You're probably lucky that you just got hit with a sandwich. I heard what they throw around these days, man. It, it, we saw what was in the end zone when they won that first. <laughs> <game>. <laughs> I thought that was a flag at first, man. Oh, yeah, it looks something like that. But look, I, I got to tell you, though, man, they robbed the rest of us. They robbed the fans because I wanted to see some elbows going through some tables, man. What better fit for us to see the Gronkowski family as part of Bill's Mafia with their brother playing on the field? I hate the Patriots even more now. I mean, I hate the Bills even more now. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, it would have been mayhem, man. But, um, you know, like, they, they didn't even bring the other bros in either for visits, so So, oh, you know, that's, no. that's why oh, I consider them traitors, man. Like, every team, and you you might have heard it uh, before, but, uh, like, Minnesota brought in uh, that one receiver on, on their, you know, uh, Minnesota day or whatever they call it. But you're allowed to bring in as many players as you want if they're local. So, and it doesn't count as a visit because you're only allowed to get so many visits in the NFL when you're, you know, going into the draft. So you know, they could have brought me in. They could have brought my brother Dan in, brother Glenn, and it's a free visit. Like, And teams do that, but the Bills never did that, man. So I'm calling it like the ultimate, ultimate traders right there. So obviously that answers my next question. I was going to say, since Rob's not in the division anymore, can you root for him again? But it sounds like there's a lot, there's some bitterness there. They're throwing stuff at you that didn't bring you guys in. So I don't even have to ask you, but I will ask you this. Yeah. What? What were your thoughts watching the game last week? Just the sheer what we saw between the Chiefs and the Bills. Man, that was a badass game, man. That I mean, 
that was two quarterbacks absolutely slinging the ball, man. And, uh, you know, I feel bad because Josh Allen balled out, man. I mean, I think the year before he wasn't ready for it. But this year, I mean, he did everything possible to win that game. I thought the Bills won the game like three different times. And, uh, you know, they, they end up losing that puppy after all that. So that's a heartbreaker, man. As a player, that's rough. I mean, you know, he did everything good and, and just his team kind of just let him down at that point. It did, man. I got to ask you, you played at obviously a high level in the NFL as well. Have you ever been a part of a game where 13 seconds a quarterback goes down the field and does that? Uh, yeah, I've been a part of, uh, let's see, the 2012 Broncos where, uh, you know, pretty much the the Ravens did it to us on a Hail Mary and our, you know, our safety came up a little early on it. So you know, I, I knew what it was like on the on, on the other side of it uh, as well. It, it sucks. Tony could do that. Tony could do it in 13. He could do it in 12. <laughs> Well, we know their their current quarterback didn't. It took him that long just to run that quarterback sneak on the last play. But anyways, hmm. why you gotta bring that up? Yeah, man, man you, that hurts. That hurts it bad. does indeed. But listen, I want to get in, Chris, about you know your family. Obviously, we know about your sports, your business career. We'll get into all that. But as a family guy, all of us here, family men, I want to really let you shine a little light on your family, your wife, your kids. Tell us about what you got going on. Yeah, man. Uh, let's see. I got I got my fourth on the way, so. Uh, for a minute, I thought I was going to be like my mom and dad. Ended up having three boys. Uh, wifey was like, we got to get a girl. Got to get a girl. And I was like, it, it ain't happening. So, uh, but we could try one more time. So, we did. Got got the fourth one coming. It's a girl. Yeah. Uh, man, man, I don't know what to do. So, if you guys got some advice, if you have some girls. We all girl dads. And, hey, let me tell you, hey. bro, they're all athletes. Let me tell you, though, I got I got four as well. And let me tell you, it's like uh, it's not man to man anymore. You're playing a zone defense, Chris. It's just, it's really it's chaos all the time. But I got two girls, two boys. So I feel you, you need some advice. I got you. Uh, yeah, I appreciate it, man, because I don't you know, raised with four brothers. I, I don't know what it's like to have a girl around. So I can tell you this. Girl. Having you guys, obviously, as dad and uncles and having the three older brothers, I feel sorry. I see some real Den of Thieves stuff going on when the dude comes to take her to prom. (laughs) Hey, who he needs to reach out to is Drew Brees because he got uh, four kids. The three boys are older and the daughter's the youngest. He knows exactly how to handle this situation. Him or Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers got 27 kids. He's got a whole team full of kids. Phil's got, you know, he's got like nine, I think. Man. He's next level. Yeah, he's still, either, he was crazy. Cromarty, maybe. Uh Cromarty don't know. But but I, I but I'll tell I'll, I'll tell you, Chris, and I may I may get me and Randy in trouble. Dan, Daniel only has a daughter, but um, me and Randy talk about it all the time. The the bond between us and and our daughters is probably the strongest. And man, they're both fierce and competitors, and and they're athletic. So like I'm telling you, man, uh, I don't know that she'll necessarily be an athlete. We'll, we'll see how that plays out. But the bond between a a father and a daughter, it's legit. Yeah, that's what I hear, man. I mean, definitely true. The, the girls take care of daddy, especially later on in life. So I'm pretty excited about that. So let's get into it. You know, not everybody knows your full story. You know, a lot of people pay attention to, you know, Rob and everything. But, man, we know there's a whole family of y'all. But let's start. You know, we talked about Bill's Mafia. Tell everybody where you're from. Yeah, man. Born and raised Buffalo, New York. Dad was a huge fan, went to uh, all the Super Bowls. So, yeah, we were Bills Mafia growing up. Um, you know, we played a lot of hockey and baseball, really played every sport. But, um, you know, with five boys in the house, we were kind of that house where everyone came over to. So it wasn't just us five, it was us five plus, you know, one or two of our friends. And it was just, it was all out mayhem every day, man. Everything, 
you know, started with a game, ended in a fight is, is what it came down to. <laughs> if you won, you talk trash. You lost, you know, you got to, you, you knocked out your brother. You got to fight over it. So that's how it was every day. Just mayhem uh, competing in something, whether it's backyard baseball, mini sticks, uh, or just eating, man. Like who could eat more? Who could eat the fastest? Like everything possible. We, we made it into a game. So uh, just break competition. And then in high school is actually when we started playing football, man, it just kind of was a natural fit for us. So I uh, weren't like born and raised like to be this football family. We just kind of fell into it because of the aggression and uh, you know, the competition between the brothers. So, but there was one, there was one, I seen a video. You called out your brother, Gordy. You said he was, he was scared. That's why I played baseball. Was, was he really scared or was he just good at baseball? No, nah, he was scared, man. He, um, he came out his senior year. He was like, I want to do it. Cause, cause my brother, Dan, the second oldest was a beast, man. And he was a starting quarterback. He was like six, five, two thirty five just looked like a man out there with little children around him. And uh, my older brother was like, man, that's pretty cool. I, I, you know, I, maybe I'll play my senior year with, with my brother, Dan. And uh, he went out for one practice. Dan threw him a laser, hit his hands. And he said his hands, it hurt his hands. So he, he quit. He never played again. So that was his moment. And uh, he walked away from it. But he was just smaller. Um, I, I was just not as aggressive as we were. And then as he got older and got into college, he grew a lot. So he went from like six four or six two to like six six in college, and gained a gained a bunch of weight and was like two fifty. And then he was like, "Man, I should have probably tried to play football," but at that point, it was too late. Man, we talk about it all the time with these athletes, Chris. We have a lot of a lot of guys and girls on, and they they got siblings that are athletic, their parents are athletic. You know, even in you, when I was doing the research, your, your granddad was. Man, nobody in my family is athletic. I got passed down nothing. That's bull. Like everybody <laughs> in your family, big, strong, good, and man. Ain't even fair. I, I was a second stringer in high school football. It's, it's just not even right. But, you know, you talk about growing up in that competitive environment. You uh, are the middle. So, like, you know, what's that like? Is it, like, do you kind of get lost somewhere in between or like, man, like you're in the middle of everything? Nah, man, you're the underdog, man. I was a, the middle. I was the shortest, probably the slowest, the fattest, all that. So um, it was all good, man, because it, it led for a good story. So. Uh, everything was kind of like, you know, no, no D one offers, uh, you know, didn't think I had a chance kind of thing. So just had to grind it out, man. So that's how it was for me. So, but, so uh, as a kid, as a middle child, you said a lot of story. Give, give me a, a, a must know story of, of you and your brothers being that, that middle one. Oh man. Like, yeah. The, basically man, for me being the shortest in that, and I was fat too. Like I was like a little chunker, right. When I was little, so all they do is make fun of me. And at one point my nipples went in cause I was so fat. <laughs> So that was like their thing. Like you're so fat, your nipples go in. So what it did though, I mean, first off, like I would, I would just dominate in fights because I was, you know, I had that leverage and I was big. So fights like, you know, one brawls all the time. Like that was, that was my go-to for sure. But I also lay on them, you know, just tackle them, you know, just body slam them, all that. Yeah. And then, um, you know, what it made me do was, you know, it made me get in that gym though. You know, so I, I went from the fattest to the strongest. And, uh, you know, still have records from high school, you know, where I, you know, my bench and, and squad cleans all that I held the records for. So uh, I just, it just motivated me, which was good. You know, speaking of motivation, who would you say was the biggest influence? Was it your parents? Was it one of your brothers? You know, I, I mentioned that I, I read up on your granddad or was it like a professional athlete who you really wanted to model? Who, who was the biggest influence on you? Yeah, definitely your bros, man. Cause you were, you were trying to impress them. You know, and you weren't going to let 
the little bro be better than you and you were going to try to beat the older bro in everything, you know, so no matter what it was, what sport it was, backyard baseball, whatever you're doing, all you're trying to do is beat your older bro. And then if you couldn't beat him, you beat his friends. You know, that was a go-to, like, oh, I'll smash his friends and instead or I'll beat up his friends. And so everything was just super competitive. And that was the motivation, man. That's, that's what drove me. It was like, hey, you know, there's no reason why my older brother should be faster than me. There's no reason my, my younger brother should be faster than me. We're going to compete in every single thing that we do. So I think college-wise and even high school, that's what pushed us to get so much better because you wanted to get in that film room after the game and be like, yo, bro, watch this, you know, and you light up some guy. And then he's like, yeah, watch this next play though. And he lights up somebody. So it just was, it was motivation all day, every day in college, man. That's all it was, you know, in the weight room, it was, you know, I'm going to beat my brother and everything we could do. And then we go out and run sprints. I had to beat him in every 10, every 20. Now that's what you did. It just pushed you so much further because you just wanted to beat your bro and everything you did. I just couldn't imagine what it's like when y'all team up because you said, you know, you beat their friends and like I imagine because, you know, you pl you play with your friends growing up in the neighborhood and, you know, you said you play hockey, football, whatever. Like, imagine like the Gronks want to play a game of hockey. Like, I'd be like, man, I'm sick today. Like, I ain't trying to mess with them dudes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah man. No, nah, it was it was definitely aggressive. Everything was aggressive, man. So it was it, it was a good neighborhood, though, man. Like everyone was it was just all boys, man. It, it, everyone was our age and everyone was just down, man. There was just brawls all the time between us, friends, everything. It was, it was all good. It was just normal. All right. Well, I got to ask you the real deal question. Then I'm going to pass you over to Daniel. You know, when we talk to athletes that have siblings that are athletes, we always ask them who was the most athletic. I'm not talking about on down the road. I'm talking about when y'all were growing up, who was the best athlete in the house overall through, through y'all's time in the, growing up? Yeah, man. It well, it depends on the sport for sure. But I'm I'm still saying, man, like baseball wise, you know, I got the most dingers by far. <laughs> Wait, I crushed all the brothers. So chicks dig the long ball all day, man. Um, uh... Yeah, and so I got that locked down. Um, hockey wise, like that, because hockey was our big sport. Like we played hockey probably 15 years, all of us. So uh, I thought I was pretty good at hockey. I think we we're all pretty good. Um, so, yeah, man, just overall athlete, I would say, like, if I had the size, more size, I probably would have been up there. But, you know, Rob, for sure, overall, just athletic talent. He was just wild, man. He was just out of control. But Damn just like guy. he gets everything. He got it done, man. But, yeah, like basketball wise, I mean, he's just throwing down crazy dunks. Uh, but at the same time, just trying to truck everyone. So it was like athletic, but out of control athletics at that point. <laughs> Yeah, Chris, man, it, it seems like growing up, the foundation was really set and, and you guys are really primed based on the competition and just the athletic abilities that you guys are blessed with and the hard work that you, you put in. Um, it, it just you guys seem to be set up for, you know, a career out of you know athletic sports or or something. And, and you know, I. I hear you say you didn't get any division one offers, but you ended up at Maryland. So talk me through the process of high school and eventually ended up to start your career in college at Maryland. Yeah. So um, let's see. So I did, I ended up, I was going to university of Penn. I went to Ivy league. I was committed there. I actually got a, a last, I did get an offer. So I got a last minute offer from Maryland. I came because they were losing a bunch of players. My brother, Dan was there. He was doing well. They were about to go on academic probation and pretty much the offer was, you know, come in and get a 4.0 and help our grades out. 
So I pretty much got a D1 offer for athletics because of my grades and because, you know, my brother Dan was there and was, was doing well. So, uh, and then they lost a bunch of guys in the running back room that just couldn't make grades, uh, couldn't make the SAT or whatever. And they had to go to prep school. So ended up having one extra scholarship. Uh, they gave it to me like literally a week before I had to report and I ended up taking that. So, um, you know, turn down Penn, it, it would have been, it would have been a good experience. I mean, I was, I was accepted into the Wharton business school, which is extremely hard to do. Uh, but at the end of the day, man, I would have left college with like 250 K in debt. Uh, you don't get scholarships. There's nothing, there's no funding. So, um, you know, I, I would have had to pay for that all myself. My, my dad's whole rule was, you know, you're going to pay for college if you go to college or you're going to get a D one offer. So, or a scholarship or whatever to cover it. So, uh, was super pumped to get that D one offer and, uh, ended up accepting that and going to Maryland at the last minute. So did you, did you end up playing a season at Maryland? And, and if so, what, what, what was that experience like before you inevitably transitioned there over to Arizona? Yeah. So I, I redshirted and then, um, I played my freshman year there. So I was playing like goal line, fullback, special teams, all that kind of stuff. And, um, man, it was, it was tough, like old school mentality. My coach was rough region, like next man up kind of guy. Um, in that spring ball that year, I missed one practice. So <clears throat> we had goal line that week. Uh, I, I pulled my hip flexor. I hardly could walk. And, um, you know, I had to sit out at the end of the practice. And after that, like he sat me on everything, told me I'd never play for him. Uh, my brother, Rob came in, who was, you know, the number one recruit in the nation. He told him that, you know, I'd never play for him. So he literally just, you know, goes to my little brother and my dad and says, you know, Dan's doing great, but your, your other brother, Chris is never going to play for me. So at that point it was, yeah, I'm, I'm getting out of here, man. So, uh, I found a way to make it to Arizona and, and transfer there instead. So you, you end up at, at, at Arizona, um, obviously, you know, growing up on the East coast, now you're transitioning over to the West coast. What was that? You know, was there a learning curve? Was, was it just a different way of life? But, you know, how did you transition and actually become comfortable? Or did you did you just roll into it with ease? Yeah, it was a freaking party, man, is what it was. <laughs> you know, you go from Buffalo to Arizona and, you know, it's wintertime and everyone's got pants on. I'm rolling up with cutoffs on because it's 75 out. And I'm like, yo, this is beautiful here. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess the transition was, you know, you got to learn how to actually uh, calm down a little bit and go to class because you could literally party pretty much every day there. And that was the atmosphere there. So um, other than that, man, I guess actually getting used to the heat in Arizona is it's, it's brutal. So you got to get used to that. I mean, like I said, I was there in, in, in winter, it was 75 out and I was sweating, you know, I'm like, man, this is hot. Then you start running stadiums in the middle of summer, it's 110 out. And like, you're literally just covering your head to get yourself some shade because it's so hot out. And people say it's dry heat, man, but it don't matter. Like you go in 110 and you run stadiums, you know, guys were dropping like flies. So you get used to it eventually. Um, you know, after probably about six months being there, getting through my first summer, I was good. And then once you get used to it, you don't want to go back to the cold though. That's the thing. Like you don't want to go back to Buffalo after that, man. So I've been, I've been down South ever since, uh, since Arizona. Yeah, man. It's, uh, I live in, I live in Tampa now, but I'm from Memphis and people are like, well, are you ever going to come back? I'm like, no, <laughs> are you, are you kidding? No, I'm not leaving Florida to come back. You know, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. So I, I can, uh, I can respect that for sure. Um, you know, you got a chance to play with Rob, you guys, obviously, you know, given all indication, Arizona was a great transition 
for for you personally but what kind of stories is there one in particular that you could share just between you know just a memorable time with you and, and rob at arizona the uh man I, I would probably say on the field wise uh my favorite game was was probably the oregon game uh they they marked it as like one of the best games ever um for a tight end which was great because i also had a great game that week and uh you know the scouts kept coming in and watching him and uh every time i did they were also you know seeing all my plays as well so uh, i think that definitely helped put me on the map but with it man and what's cool about it is we play next to each other. You know, I was a wing. Um, so I, I, would, I would motion, you know, we come off the ball, you know, we double team up to the linebacker. We'd run routes together. The best part about it is he'd get double covered. They leave me wide open and I'd average like 35 yards per catch. So it was pretty sweet, but you know, those were the good times, man. Um, ended up coming back, tying it up. We lost on like the last minute, but um, it, it was just one of those electric atmospheres when you play at Oregon. Yes. So, I mean, I'm sure college is a little bit different. Was there ever a time where you and Rob had a chance in a practice to, like, just light each other up? Just, like, where you just, like, you know what? I'm going to take out some years of frustration in this this one play or this one drill or, what you know, whatever the case might be. Yeah, man. So, I mean, we played on the same side of the ball. Uh, so, we weren't really ever going against each other, except when I first got there. So, when I first got there um, – I actually was playing baseball. I was playing both and it. It was absolutely brutal because they, they didn't give me a break. So, yeah, I was practicing for baseball. Uh, it was like, I think, four days of the week and I was practicing for football three days of the week. And then I had to do both the workouts and I was doing like double headers for baseball on the weekend. And uh, it was brutal, man. But during that time, I was also playing scout team linebacker. So they brought me in. Arizona didn't have a fullback position for the most part. They had a fullback there. He was taking like six snaps a game. Uh, so they brought me in and were like, hey, you know, we want you to play linebacker. So I played a scout team linebacker for a year. And that year was just going against Rob, going against offense. And man, we just we we're just having fun for sure. So, uh, yeah, I lit him, I lit him up one time uh, on a route and the, the receiver coach came out and um, he told me he's going to kick me off the team. So came out screaming at me you know, dropping F-bombs. If you touch my starting tight end again, you're done. And uh, I, I was just laughing. And this guy was getting so pissed. And uh, eventually he's like, what the hell's wrong with you? And I'm like, man, like, if you kick me off the team, you're probably not going to have a starting tight end anyways. And he was like, what the hell does that mean? And the other coach came out and grabbed him. and was like, yo, that, that's his bro, man. Like, it's all good. They're just messing around. <laughs> yeah, package gonna, deal. Yeah, I mean, I, I I can see the closeness and I can only imagine, like, um having the opportunity to do that's probably really special. I'm sure the, the, the travel on your parents and, and being able to, to see you guys was a little bit easier, but, um, you know, you, you end up going undrafted, but, and, and you end up signing with, with Dallas Cowboys, which is my team. That, those are my guys. So these guys, you know, have been on me for, for the past week. It's been a rough week. I'm not going to lie, but, I will say you had the opportunity to catch a, a touchdown pass from Tony Romo. What's that like? One, just playing for the Dallas Cowboys and having that that accolade to say I played for America's team, but also being able to say you caught your your first touchdown pass from Tony Romo. Yeah, man, it was it, first off like I, when I you know, I got that call from them, I was like, no way! Like the Cowboys are actually going to call me. 
you know, to, to sign with them. So, you know, that was kind of the first thought was like, man, I'm undrafted. Like, yeah, I'm probably going to sign with some garbage team, you know? And so to get a call from the Cowboys was like, damn, man, like this is badass. So that was definitely cool. Um, you know, the, the atmosphere in Dallas was, it was rough, man, because, you know, the reporters here, and it, it's kind of a Jerry Jones thing, but like he lets anyone on the field. And I didn't know the difference my first year, but once I went to other teams, I was like, wow, man, it's significantly different everywhere else I went. But uh, Jerry don't care. Like he wants as much press as possible. So he'll let anybody on the field. He'll let anybody in the locker room. And, um, you know, it, it definitely makes the, an atmosphere that's a lot tougher, especially on a rookie. Uh, so you got reporters just absolutely trashing you, man. Uh, absolutely trashing players. I mean, even to the point where I remember the, the one article they wrote about one of our old linemen was, you know, this guy ain't going to make the team because he's so damn ugly. Like that was like, that was like pretty God. much an article. And you're like, man, like that's like how you writing this. Like, this is crazy. Uh, but man, so yeah, a lot of pressure there. Um, and, and like you said, America's team. So like, man, people are so hardcore. Like they live and die on a Cowboys game. So, you know, we started off, we we're supposed to have an amazing year. Uh, you know, I think we were one in five, one in six to start the year. So uh, definitely, definitely a tough season, um, to start off, but yeah, man, uh, starting my, my first game, um, you know, it was the second game of the year. We actually had a fullback on the roster. Um, so I ended up keeping two fullbacks that year and then he got hurt the first game. They, they cut him. So after that started my first game, my, um, the second game of the season and yeah, man, it was like halfway through the game, catch a TD pass from, uh, from Tony and it, yeah, that ball floated forever, man. I was like, Yo, just just come to me, man. Let me let me catch this thing real quick and spike it. But just one of those moments where you don't really realize how awesome it is or that it really happened until, you know, really until years later. And you're like, holy shit, man. Like that was that was badass. Was was it kind of a moment? Obviously, it's a, it's a huge moment for you, a milestone moment. But, you know, people like to describe those types of moments where like everything goes silent and then all of a sudden you make the play and then you're back in it and everything's loud again. Was, did you feel that? Like you were out there waiting on the ball forever and like, it was almost like you were by yourself. Yeah. I mean, I caught a pass just earlier in that drive as well. And I almost felt like it more on that one. It's kind of like that first one, man, mm-hmm. like that first pass that you get thrown to you're like, Holy shit. Like he's really throwing it to me. Like he's really looking my way. Right. And so caught one earlier in that drive. So kind of got that moment out of the way, but yeah, man, once I caught that ball, yeah, it was like you black out for a second. And um, I watched the video of it and I'm like, I, don't, you know, I hardly even remember that happening. So my, my last question is, is more ownership oriented, but did you ever have to or get the opportunity to sit with Jerry, just you and him and, and talk? Yeah, uh, when they cut me. <laughs> yeah. so, so what what is that like? Is it? did you know what was about to happen? Is there like nervousness, anxiety? Like what's the feeling when the owner says, Hey, or somebody in the organization says, Hey, uh, Jerry needs to see you. Yeah, man. No, uh, we had, a, we had a grim reaper is what we called them on, uh, on cut day. So if the grim reaper came to see you, you were done. And, um, I walked in the building and he was like, Hey, I got to talk to you. So yeah, I knew at that point that that's what was going on. And then after that, uh, Jerry, Jerry will talk to anyone who's, you know, who's been on the team for a, a significant amount of time. Uh, so after that, they sent me to talk to Jerry and it was, it was, you know, it was a good conversation. All he said was, 
hey, uh, there's been a lot of guys that are in your position that you are right now uh, sitting in this chair and they've been back on this team, you know, in, in a couple months, sometimes a couple years. So, you know, this isn't the end of anything. You know, you could easily be back on this team at, at, at some point. So it was pretty cool to hear that from them. And, um, you know, I ended up and they I didn't know what was going to happen at that point. But, you know, I ended up getting picked up the next day by the Colts on the waiver wire. So uh, at that point, you know, I, I was I was on a new team and probably wasn't going to go back to the Cowboys. But if I sat or, um, you know, didn't get picked up right away, I mean, they might have they might have brought me back. Man, this is wild because, you know, you're fixing to talk to Randy, who's a Colts fan. You played for everybody but my team. I'm, I feel, you know, a, a little hate there. I mean, you couldn't be a saint at some point, Chris, but it's all good. Um, I do have a quick question. You know, you you caught your first touchdown from, from Romo, and, you know, he's in the booth now. And in my opinion, he's the best I've ever heard in the booth. Like, he's just, you know, he was calling that Chiefs-Bills game, and he was he was predicting everything. Um, do you listen to him? And if so, like, I mean, how much – fun is it like to hear him and his announcement and how great it is because that was your quarterback yeah man he's it's cool to listen to but um you gotta think man like he he studied every defense for all those years and as a quarterback himself he had to know everything so he knows what's coming uh and, and what they do too is they put him on the same teams every every week uh so i know he's doing the patriots um you know a year or two ago and you know, he's doing pretty much every game. So by the end of the season, man, those those guys in the booth watch more film than anybody. And they're watching the same team over and over and over every week. So with his background and being a, you know, an ex-quarterback, he knew exactly what they were running by the end of the year. So it's pretty cool to see. Uh, and, you know, it, it just shows you how much time they actually put into these games as well. Like people think like these reporters just go up there and like just sling shit. That's not the case at all, man. Like, We've had a lot of people and you have the opportunity to take, uh, you know, different courses in, in reporting and stuff like that, that the NFL lets you do and they pay for. But um, a lot of my friends have done it and they're like, man, I'm, I, I can't do that. Like they're, they're watching four hours of film every day, man. Like this is insane. You know how much film they're watching just to, to be ready for the game. So uh, definitely shows you how much commitment he has to reporting as well. And, um, you know, and then with his background, it's pretty cool because, man, yeah, he's up there just calling plays at this point. Yeah, definitely. Romo's definitely one of the best. So, so Chris, we're going to we'll talk about like kind of the end of the career. You talked about getting picked up by the Colts, and I think it was injuries that kind of derailed that. You bounced around a little bit. Uh, obviously, it didn't turn out the way you wanted. I'm sure you would have loved to play 10, 15 years and all that, win some Super Bowls. But, I mean, do you ever look back on your NFL career? Was there anything you would have done differently, or you just feel like maybe injuries ended it a little earlier than you wanted? Nah, man, I, I didn't think I'd even get a year. So uh, really the goal at that point was, you know, credit, you get three credit seasons, you get retirement, you're vested. That's huge. So, um, you know, I got that first year and I was like, damn, man, like I, I, I got a year. This is crazy. Like if I could get three, that would be insane. So uh, ended up getting three, went into my fourth year um, and uh, I got hurt in camp, high ankle sprain uh, with that. They're like, hey, it's like a three-week injury. We'll give you three three game checks uh, if you sign a um, injury injury settlement. So I did at that point because it gave me a fourth year, and with the fourth year, it gave me one more year of benefits as well. So I uh, signed that. I tried to come back. I ran a forty in Miami, and and I ruptured my hamstring. At that point, it was either have surgery and try to come back from it, or just give it up. And you know, for me at that point, um, I wasn't getting any calls. Like there was there was very few teams left as a fullback in the NFL, there's only 28 teams that even carry one. And when they do, they carry one and the other guys on practice squad. So 
Uh, it's not like a tight end where there's four tight ends on a roster or running back where there's three or four as well. Like there's going to be one guy, there's 28 guys in the whole world that are on a starting you know, position for, as a fullback. So the position itself was already limited. The pay was always going to be minimum uh, as well. And of course, like I, I would have wanted like one more year maybe, but um, at the end of the day, man, I was like, yo, this is way more than I ever thought I would have. Uh, and I got everything I needed. Like I needed, you know, if I could get that retirement, all those benefits, that was massive. I got it. And I was like, all right, man, uh, I'm, I'm on borrowed time already. I'm, I'm good to go at this point. Yeah, absolutely. But obviously at, growing up the family you did, you talked about getting in the gym, setting records. You stayed in that healthy lifestyle and um, going to the gym every day. And I think that I'll let you talk about this, but that's actually how the, the company that Shaker got started, right? You, you, you saw a problem, you saw an issue, and you're like, I can do better than this. So just talk to us about that was like and what you saw and what you wanted to create for people to have. Yeah, for sure. So I was done playing. It's actually about five years out at that point, uh, working for my wife. We started a business together. Uh, it was it was great, man. It was successful, but it wasn't me. You know, I didn't tell anyone what I was doing. It's everything decorated. It sounds just like you. Man, everything decorated is right. So it is crushing, man, too. So I'm like, you know, in this pickle, like, I don't need to do anything else. This thing's crushing, making more money doing this. And I was playing in the NFL. And um, it just, at the end of the day, man, it just it didn't feel right. Like, I'm like, Dude, I don't, people ask me what I do. I don't even tell them. Like, I'm kind of just doing my own thing. So I'm uh, still going to the gym once or twice a day, sometimes twice a day. And it's so hot in, in, in Texas. And by the time I got there, I had this plastic shaker. It sucked just leaking every or leaking, sweating, smelled terrible. And I'm like, Ew, there's, there's sweet bottles out there now. Like the new Yetis were coming out and uh, they were, they were sweet. Like my wife got me one. We were actually selling a ton of them with her engraving shop and we're making bank on them. And I was like, man, this, this thing's sweet, but I can't bring it to the gym. So went home that day and I just figured I'd find an insulated bottle. There was nothing out there at the time. So I uh, decided to make one and I was like, this will be, this will be so easy. I'll just basically take a cup and put a shaker top on it. And um, that's kind of what I did, but it was just a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. That was actually gonna be my next question. You don't know, going through the production. People don't think about that, right? You have an idea. And the next thing you know, you know, you're, you're, you're going through and you're, you're making millions of dollars, right? You're selling millions of dollars with the revenue, but I want to talk specifically about that production. And when you had a vision in your head and what you wanted it to be, but that doesn't always what comes out, right? So talk about how difficult that transition was from what you had in your mind to what actually came out on the production floor. Yeah, I mean, I just had no clue what I was doing uh, at all. And I, I think a lot of people are in that same position. So, um, you know, just kind of reached out to suppliers I already had, you know, pretty much took a, a, a single cup, double walled it, insulated it, and then threw a shaker top on it, man. It was like the most basic possible cup you could ever see I actually called the ice shaker because like we had no way to actually blend protein so my idea was like you got to put some ice cubes in there shake it and that's where the name came from man yeah. so uh the little ball that they have in the cups for you know for blender bottle they were super annoying when you put a metal ball inside of a metal cup and they were also patented so I'm like well I can't do it anyways so yeah I got to find a way around it so the first edition had nothing like it had no way to blend anything so I called it ice shaker because you had to put ice in it and that was kind of like this the selling point on it so uh, after that first edition we redid it completely remade it got some designers in on it and and actually created a patented design uh, with a, a twist and agitator that twists into the lid so um, but yeah the first the first round man it was just so simple so basic and um it sold though, man. Like it, it was just a proof of concept and it worked. 
Yeah, absolutely. So we get into that. Obviously, you know, a lot of people know you, you go on Shark Tank. You end up making the deal uh, with A-Rod and Mark Cuban. But if I remember correctly, all five, everybody offered you some equity and into that. But tell me, what, what made you go with A-Rod, Mark Cuban's offer? And, and really, what was that experience like going on Shark Tank? And then I got a follow-up question after you answer that. The experience was beast mode, man. Like it's, it's, it's like a dream come true for a company. It's, I mean, I think they said it comes out to like $8 million in free advertising at the end of the day, like after all the reruns and it's still happening. I mean, we ended up getting the update a year later. Uh, we get all the reruns now. I mean, it's almost every month that we get a rerun and uh, it just drives thousands of clicks to our website. So uh, the actual experience itself is it's a dream come true if you're ready for it, if you're prepared for it, and if your product fits well for TV. So uh, it did, all those things did for us and um, it crushed. So it definitely, with cash flow, growing the business, exposure, all that was, man, it, it probably jumped us maybe a year or two ahead just from one show, just one airing. So definitely huge uh, at that. But yeah, the game plan going in was, you know, just, I, I thought, you know, you know, if we get all the sports teams, that was kind of like the the golden ticket, man. So wanted to get Mark in. Um, also like heard a lot of good things about Mark. Uh, his, his whole thing was like, Hey, he kind of started the show. He started it for the right reasons. He wants to help people live the American dream. He wasn't sitting there like, you know, send me, send me your financial reports. Let's get this up. Let's make more money. He was like, Hey, how can I help you? It's kind of what the, the feedback was from everyone with Mark. So he was in Dallas as well. And I'm like, yeah, he sounds like that's the guy you want for sure. And then uh, Alex was kind of just like a wild card, man. He was a guest. I didn't know what A-Rod Corp was. I don't think anyone knows what A-Rod Corp is or what they do. So it was kind of like, you know, it, it kind of said he owns some gyms or he's done some stuff with fitness and um, kind of just like a straight up, I, I don't know, let's see what happens kind of thing. So uh, once, once Alex and Mark kind of put a deal together, uh, at that point, it was like, you know, if I wanted Mark, I had to take both uh, kind of deal. So I thought it would be a great fit. Uh, I thought I kind of hit like the trifecta, MLB, NBA, NFL, and uh, I was definitely pumped for that. Yeah, so specifically on the deal, uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it was $150,000 in exchange for 15% equity. But of course, ROI on that, it, I, I figures I've read, it was 80000 to over $3 million in the year that followed. So obviously the free advertising and getting that exposure mattered. And obviously name recognition for you and, and, and your, you guys' last name. But specifically about the experience, is it true? The rumor that I've heard is that you guys challenged the Sharks to flip cup, man. Is this true? Yo, yeah, it's, it's only been done once. It will never be done again. That's for Who sure. else could do it? I mean, nobody else could do that. Yeah, and it like really had nothing to do with our product either, which was great. Absolutely. But I got who, who, who won, who won? Yeah, we smoked him. I think I practiced just as much for flip cup as I did my pitch, man. Like the night before <laughs> I was like, yo, I'm, I'm the starter on the team. Like I have to get a one flip or, you know, it's going to look terrible, especially if like I started fumbling it and it ended up taking like five or 10 times. That would have been a nightmare. So the flip cup, the cups were out the night before uh, I would practice my pitch and then I'd walk right over the table and I start playing flip cup. No, that's, that's awesome. So obviously, uh, everybody knows obviously supply chain issues. So I got to ask you, obviously the business seems to be booming, but you know, you guys started out with one rendition of this cup. And I think last time I saw there were something, what, like 65 different versions, colors and all that kind of stuff. So, but what's it been like having to keep having to deal? First of all, the pandemic probably helped things boom, but what's it been like for, for shipping and supplies and prices going up? Talk about that through these last couple of years. Yeah, man, it's it, it's a lot of game planning is what it comes down to. 
uh, everything's like, and I'm still, I'm still not far enough out on it, but, um, you know, before it was kind of like, Hey, three months and you're cool. And all of a sudden it was like, yo, you better order at least four months before. Now it's like, man, you better start ordering like eight months before if you want to get anything on time. And so just game planning becomes huge, you know, really having a good game plan, having good cash flow, um, you know, and then just doing it far enough out is, is massive. And it was so hard for me to do that before. Uh, it's still hard, man. Like it's hard to predict basically what next year is going to sell. It's like, man, it's January though. Like how am I supposed to know what 2023 is going to bring? But that's kind of where you have to get to at this point if you want to be successful. Yeah, absolutely. And and the reviews, uh, you know, checking on Amazon before we came on here are great. And obviously being on Amazon, if you think back to, you know, when 20 years ago, that's not even an option. So obviously things like that have really changed the landscape of the game. So Obviously, the business seems to be booming, so congrats on that. I, I want to get into the NIL and specifically uh, what that means for a student-athlete like yourself. I'm sure you wish you had some NIL back then, but I got to ask you, man, Chris, are you guys going to sponsor anybody outside of the University of Arizona or what? Yeah, it's kind of something new that we did. Um, obviously, had to support my team, man, uh, even though they've won one game in two years. Uh, you know, I still had to do it, so – you know, I think, I think NIL is huge though. I, I think that's oh, oh, the best way to support your, 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 your team, because that's, what's going to get players there. Like that's what the players want to see. Kind of like you said, if I had it back in the day and someone was like, yo, Arizona always pays their fullbacks. So they always get, you know, an NIL deal for their fullbacks. I would have been like, hell yeah, I'm going there. So that's, that's powerful, man. And um, I wanted to be able to support the players that way. And it helps me too. Um, you know, these guys carrying our bottle, they're like by far the biggest influencers on campus. You know, we saw this a couple of years ago, Rich Rod came in, uh, he ended up buying bottles for every player on the team. Two weeks later, the bookstore hit us up and they were like, Hey, we want to buy. And I was like, hi, yo, how'd you hear about us? So they did a student survey, the student survey, the number one requested item on it was ice shaker. Oh, that's awesome. I was like, man, like that's, that's powerful. So now that we're able to do this, um, you know, I, I think it's a, a pretty clear path to being able to really dominate on campus and really get your brand out there to a lot of students by, you know, giving it to the players, the athletes that have a lot of influence. So uh, pretty excited for that opportunity. Started with Arizona, uh, man, the, the good thing is, is like, they're going to pump it, man, because they want everyone to know that their players are getting NIL deals. So they're going to put it in the press. We got Tucson.com, you know, we got Arizona.edu, uh, like, all these big publications that just drive a ton of SEO juice to you, you know, you can get just by signing a few players now, which is, which is massive, man. Usually you pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to get a backlink like that. So it's a cool way to kind of uh, backdoor that also get the product in front of players. Um, and what we do that's cool is we're able to customize them. So we're able to make a custom bottle for each and every player too. So they're pumped, they're building their own brand. It sells well because they're selling their product. They want to push it because it's theirs. So it's just been a good fit for us. No, absolutely. And that's kind of the, the, the route that we're going. Jim's really spearheaded that operation. So we're, that's kind of the way we go. We're looking to help them help ourselves, right? That's, that's just the nature of business. Uh, you know, I'll end on this before we get to the game. Um, there's, there's videos out there, you and your, your brother's having fun at work and all that. So I just got to ask you, obviously, it's about business. It's about making money. It's about making a passion. But how fun is it to share that with your brothers? And some, obviously, you've shared your whole life with them. But just tell us, walk us through that experience a little bit. Yeah, man. So Rob, Rob ended up buying out uh, A-Rod uh, when he retired. He wanted to get in business and, and see what it was all about. My dad's been in business for 32 years. 
you know, I grew up, uh, you know, building treadmills and, and carrying them through the inner cities of Buffalo up and down the stairs, carrying the 200 pound heavy head, man. Uh, so you know, it's been, it's been, uh, it's been a grind, man. We worked hard for sure. And uh, like to have fun at the same time. What's cool is that with business, none of us are really on top of each other, man. So my dad has his business. My two brothers work for him. One runs uh, all the sales in the New England area. The other one does all the marketing. Uh, I do my own thing with Ice Shaker. You know, Rob's a part of it, but just kind of helps promote it. And youngest brother's also in the sports and fitness uh, arena as well with another company that he works for. So we never work on top of each other, but we always are talking to each other and helping each other out. So it, it's been a great relationship. Everything's always about health, sports, fitness, and that's what we do. So uh, it's been it's been good, man. Everything's been good. Yeah, one of the things that inspired me to reach out to you is your videos, man. What's up with you putting that ice shaker right on the numbers for Gronk, for Rob, and he he dropped it, man. You, and you put him out there. You put a big <laughs> you put a big X on him. He had to go. Like, what's up with that? He couldn't catch it. Yeah, man. I think he dropped it on purpose, but I don't know. I don't know, man. Maybe it's time to retire. I don't know. I hear you. I hear you, man. It looks like y'all have a lot of fun. I, I really enjoy the videos of seeing what y'all do. So uh, it's really not even work, man, when it's fun like that. I, that's what I think. No, for sure. For sure, man. There's that's, that's the great part about social media, too, is, you know, there's so many things that you can do, have fun with it. And at the same time, you're still working, you're getting out there, you're getting exposure. So I, I love the social side of it. Uh, he doesn't love it as much. My other brothers don't love it as much, but I've, um, realize that there's there's a lot of strength there man a lot of power and really with any business man it's all about relationships and, and building a network absolutely and you're killing the game but speaking of games man we're gonna play a game called this or that you down to play let's do it my kids right. might join i hear them hey that's what's up <laughs> all right so basically uh the only rule is you can't say neither you can't say both you have to pick uh one of the yeah options. man all right sounds dangerous all right, so we need to know from a Gronk straight up, man. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Yeah, I'm I'm going with no. All right, so with that, Correct. is a burger a sandwich? Yeah, yeah. Explain to me why a burger is a sandwich, but a hot dog isn't. Uh, because a hot dog, you can eat without a bun. I, I mean, hey, man, when I'm not eating bread, when I'm doing specific diets, I eat just that <laughs> burger patty with no, look, so so we've had guests on here that say that you have to have sandwich bread for it to be a sandwich. But then there's other people that say, well, a chicken sandwich is a is a sandwich and it's on a bun. So, you know, it's debatable. Yeah, that's that's a good question now. Now that I think about it a little more. But to me, man, like the, the hot dog bun, even if you have the bun, it's connected. So it's not really like it's not like bread. It's not sandwich bread. I got to ask you, since you're from up north, I've been up north uh, quite a few times, never lived there or anything like, where's where's the best hot dog you ever had? I got to know. Oh, man. Um, oh, what's the name of it now? Uh, Ted's. Ted's Hot Dogs, man. So they have the Saline's Hot Dogs in Buffalo. You can only buy them there, I think. And that's by far the best hot dog. So Ted's um, carries them. They carry like the footlongs and all that, too. So that's the spot, man. I have to check it out, but I'm not going oh, there. When it's, I'm not going when it's wintertime. I can tell you that. All right. So. Kind of kind of funny that we're transitioning from that question to this question. You know, being that you're big into fitness and everything, if you had to pick one or the other, would you rather be able to eat healthy and not work out or work out and eat like crap? Work out and eat like crap. Uh, no <laughs> doubt. My guy, no doubt. That's what it's for, man. That's why you work out half the time. Right. Uh, 
So you talk about being uh, big into all the sports growing up. You, you know, you played them, you watched them and all that. You know, what do you like being at more, a live hockey game or a live baseball game? No, live hockey all day, man. The, oh, I still remember the last one I was at, there was like five fights before they dropped the puck. <laughs> what, uh, what team was that at? Yeah, I, I don't – man, it's been a while. Um, I don't remember who it was, but the game before that cheap shot at like the star player – so right off the bat, five fights, you know, before they even dropped it. I was like, this was the right game to go to. Yeah, Daniel Daniel is real big into hockey. He's he's tried to get me into it. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, he got me to watch his Tampa Bay Lightning at the right time. You know, like he said, he's down there. And uh, I started watching, and they were winning championships. So it was the right time to jump on and start watching that specific team. So uh, it's, it's totally different watching it in person than it is watching it on but TV. But I don't have I'll it available that. in person, though. I, I agree. I agree, man. Baseball is intense. Baseball is boring, man. Hockey's like, you know, big checks, fights, like, and just like, and I played too. So just watching these guys, the talent is insane, man. Like their stick handling abilities and, you know, to score on a goalie that's like freaking massive taking up the whole goal is like, it's so hard to see these guys do it. It's, it's so impressive. So I've always in person, especially thought hockey was the most entertaining sport. Well, I got a challenge for you a team that's not boring and I actually got to see them play last year uh, in Omaha was the Arizona baseball team, man, go check your boys out. Cause they're going to be legit again. They're not, they're not boring. They put up runs. So they, they're definitely hitting those bombs that you love. Yeah. Heck yeah. I like hearing that. All right. So would you rather be smart or be funny? Be smart, man. You're a funny guy. I find that interesting. Nah, nah I would say, no, man, I'm, I'm going back to the to the the college days, man. Like, I, I mean, I got into except into Harvard um, and also into Penn, man. So if you're smart, I think you could figure out kind of how to be funny, too. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I'm not either. So it's unfortunate. Um, <laughs> would you rather text someone or call someone? Uh, man, that's funny because I, I would say it changed like. Probably like five years ago, I'd say text all day. And, and now I would say call somebody. Yeah, because, you know, it's interesting. These these two cats right here, Randy will not answer the phone if you call him. He will text you. If you text Daniel, he will call you right back. So, like, I, I got <laughs> to text one uh, and I got to call the other. Chris, Chris, man, these dudes are on text threads and message threads. And I just ask them at the end of the day, please summarize it for me. I, don't, I just don't have the time or the, the power in my body to read it all. Yeah, man. And what killed me with text is just group text, man. Cause I'm in like a bunch of them and it's just nonstop all day. And then I get out of it. They add me back in and I'm like, dude, like you just ruined my text game. So <laughs> I tell people don't even bother texting me anymore. Send me an email or call me. Yeah, no doubt. So uh, these next two aren't normal ones we'd have, but being that you, uh, you're a football guy, I got to ask. So, Bengals or Chiefs? Man, Chiefs all day, all day. Man, you got you see the jersey behind me? That's Joey man, B, man. Don't, don't you do that? I just, I mean, it would be awesome. I, I think it would be a good storyline for sure, and I want to see it. But man, Chiefs are they're looking way too good, man. The Bills were looking really good too, but got Patty Mahomes off, man. Knocked them off, so all I can't. Right. Chiefs losing. Yeah, I mean, I I think. 
personally, I think the Chiefs are going to win, but I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping for the Bengals. Like you said, it's a good story. Joey B's my guy, so we'll see. Joey B's a man, so if he steps it up, he's going to be a legend. I know you have to appreciate, you know, you talked about your injuries, man. I watched uh, his rehab video actually yesterday. It inspired the mess out of me. The, the work that he put in, and a lot of the guys do. We know they do. But to be where he's at right now today from where he was last year is wild. Yeah, that's – yeah, that's – that. I mean, those injuries – in the past, man, have been sometimes career ending. So, yeah, that's that's super impressive. I mean, he's what is he, year three now? No, year, year two, three? year two, year two. Wow, that's even more insane. So, yeah, that's really impressive. He didn't have a full full year underneath him, man. You know, normally quarterbacks peak, you know, usually takes at least three years to really learn the offense and you know learn it to the point where you can actually react to it and you know what's coming. So. Year two after an injury, yeah, man, he's that's beast mode right there. I, I just hope he can survive to year three. He got sacked nine times last week, and it, man, his his offensive line is struggling. But what I do like is he doesn't he doesn't blame him. He doesn't uh he doesn't make any excuses. He gets it done. So with the other game, Rams 49ers, who you got? Yeah, that's interesting, man, because the 49ers got him the last two, right? And they kind of seem like this team. And this happens all the time, man. Guys, his teams just get hot at the right time. They get healthy at the right time too. Uh, and they kind of have their number, right? But you know, third time, third time's not going to be a charm for them, man. The Rams were way too powerful. I think they've hit their stride at the right time, and just way, way too much talent on that team, man. So I think, I think the Rams smash them this time. Yeah, your your brother knows all about that. You see the Saints stuff behind me too. The Saints got them both times last year, and then got to the playoffs. And Tom and them did what they do. So unfortunately, I understand that whole third third time thing. But I agree with you. We all agree with you. The uh, the Rams, they look good. And that defense, man, that defense is filthy. They're, they're stacked, man. And, and they're all healthy now, too, man. Like, they're all healthy at the right time. They picked up OBJ. You know, Von Miller's just crushing it now, too. So, that's a good team, man. That's a really good team. And uh, 49ers is a good matchup, though, man. Like, they're making magic happen. You always see, like, this underdog team, too, sneak in. The Giants did it twice. You know, the Ravens did it to us the year I was with the Broncos, and they uh, – they kind of just they sneak in there, man, and they get hot and they they make a nice little run. But I think the 49ers runs over, man. I think there's way too much talent there. One one question. I don't mean to interrupt what Jim's doing, but I got to ask you a question because the we talked about this earlier. Was there anybody on the planet that thought when the when the Bucks tied that game that they weren't going to win that game? Oh hell no, man! When they kept giving them opportunities, I was like, this is way too good of a storyline. Like they're just letting them stay in it. They're going to end up coming back. They end up tying it. I'm like, this is insane. Like, this is like the Tom Brady, like, yo, he's going to win this game, go on and win it all and retire. And it, Yeah, we it, talked about when Cooper Cup fumbled, that was that was where it was for me. You know, the the other miscues, but then when, like, Cooper Cup, who has just been the most money dude in the league, drops one, I'm like, oh, man, it's, it's getting real. You know, the snap over his head, I'm like, this yeah. is, like, it's, it's going to happen. I, I mean, no matter, like, they were never 100% out of it because every time they were, something ridiculous happened and brought him right back into it. Yeah, no doubt. That was, uh, man, what a weekend. Like, the, the NFL is king anyway, but they, they won this past weekend. There's now no doubt, and I hope that they do uh, this upcoming weekend as well. But this last question, this is our staple question. Find out a lot about you here, Chris. Would you Damn, ever man. do five years in jail or ten years in a coma? Damn, man. I'm, I'm going five in jail for sure. All right, you got to tell me why. Yeah, I can still get swole. Um, so you can, <laughs> I mean, you, I mean, I would say ten years in a coma, man. Like you're, you're pretty much a vegetable after that. 
Like you try to come back from that. I'm sure like, you know, just walking, you know, rebuilding your body, your mind, all that uh, would be tough, man. You go to prison five years, you could still learn, uh, you know, you could get better. You know, even if you went there for the wrong reasons, man, there's, there's, there's ways to turn your life around. And so I, I would definitely say that. Well, me and Ra- me and Randy are with you, but Daniel's going to tell you what he thinks. No, nah, bro. I, give me 10 years of a nap. Uh, I'll wake up. I'll figure everything <laughs> out. But <laughs> Look, man, like, I think I think all of us here are old enough to know what we're good at, what we're not good at, and where we would thrive and where we wouldn't thrive. And I would not be good at jail, and I would not thrive there. But laying down and sleeping, I'm good at that. I know that. <laughs> but the thing that you can relate to him, Chris, and, and this is the thing one of our guests brought to our attention before, you know, with you having little kids and he does too, man, you would miss 10 years of their life. And for that reason, give me the short term and whatever I got to deal with so I can get back to my family quicker. Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. You know, the thing about it though, Chris, a lot of these guys that we ask, they're like young college kids. They really, you know, they, maybe they grew up in the rich neighborhoods or whatever, but, but for you, I believe you, I believe five years in jail, you'd survive it, man. Growing up the way that you did with your brothers and beating each other up and having the inverted nipples. I got you, dog. I think you can survive it. <laughs> he brought it back around. Yeah, man. That's that's the ending right there, man. We started it with it. We ended it with it. It's all about what the nips. <laughs> well, Chris, man, anything you want to plug or promote before we let you run? Man, I appreciate you guys having me on today. Um, good stuff, man. It was fun. Sorry, it wasn't on my calendar, but we made it work. We made it happen today. And uh, no, nah, man, uh, I mean, you guys did a great job. Appreciate you promoting Ice Shaker as well, telling the story. Uh, if you want to check it out, like you said, Amazon, uh, really IceShaker.com. We custom engrave them as well. Uh, on the website, I always have more colors, more variations, our best stuff on there. So check that out. Follow me at Chris Gronkowski, Instagram, TikTok, really the main two. Uh, if you still like Twitter, I'm on there too, but it's just not as exciting. So Come check me out. IG. IG is where it's at for the most part. That's it, man. Y'all go, y'all go give them a follow. Go to iShaker.com. Go to Amazon. Go get your cup. Go get anything you need, man. Chris, if there's anything we can do, man, please reach out to us, man. We'll be more than happy to help you. I appreciate it, man. And anyone listening, come come give me a comment, man. Like, you know, throw some inverted nipples up on the, on my post or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's Chris Gronkowski, everybody. If you like hearing Chris's story or other athletes' stories, or you just want to hear Average Joe's talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, comments, ratings, and feedback is always welcome. We're going to be back next week for episode 22. We're going to have a gymnast on. We're back in the gymnast realm we got ucla's best gymnast shay campbell joining us you don't want to miss it this has been the end off the bench podcast as always remember strong body sharp minds great and grind all the time we're out oh